Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. We've had a parade of people through here the past couple of years. At, uh, people that are in the nations of the world and the missions, working in missions. It was good to have Brother David George this weekend who's working in Cuba and Haiti in the Dominican Republic. What was it, 73 churches now they've built in Cuba? And uh, how God has taken and just exploded that ministry across that nation and how there's a true, I like what he called a Book of Acts revival going on in the nation of Cuba. Isn't that awesome? That's why we're involved in the nations of the world is because God loves people. And so I'm going to begin tonight. We Last three or four weeks we were looking at the love of God. And I'm going to begin tonight looking at some things uh, that will help you to enter into the will of God for yourself, for your life, uh, because there's nothing more important than that. If you figure out and find out that only in the kingdom of God is there a true purpose in life, then you will pursue the things of God. Uh, there's a great deception in the world system uh, that if you're doing something in the world system, it's important. But in the scheme of eternity, there's nothing in the world system that's important. Because the Bible says it'll all burn up. Only the things that we do that affect the eternal souls of men and women here on the planet, that's really the only thing that you'll take with you into eternity. I mean, you can win the Super Bowl, but you're not going to take a Super Bowl ring with you into eternity. Amen? Uh, you could build some great business. You could uh, discover some great discovery. But you know, the most important uh, 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 thing you can be involved in on the planet uh, is the eternal destiny of men and women because everything else is pale in the light of that subject. Even the greater, uh, how can you say this, the greater, uh, uh, the greater uh, exploits of men in the areas of medicine and research and things that would bring comfort to people, especially those that are sick and, and have cancer. You say, well, that's such important work, still not as important as what we're doing here. Because a person can live his whole life, he can live 100 years cancer-free, and die and go straight to hell. What good does that 100 years do? So it's important, and you must understand, it's important to God and needs to be important to you that each and every one of you have a desire on the inside to find the will of God for your life particularly, something that's unique to you. You know, some will be sent out, like, like Jim and Bonnie. Some will be sent out to other nations. Uh, others will stay and send them. Amen. Uh, some will uh, work inside the confines of the local church. Others will be sent out from the local church. God has a way. God has a pattern. God has a plan. And what's unique about God, he's got a specific one for each and every individual. Now, I heard somebody say this one time. Say, well, Pastor, you, you're, you're talking about predestination. There is an element of, a, of predestination to God. And that is this, that God has predestined any person that would bow their knee to Jesus Christ. God has predestined any person that would make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. He has predestined anyone that would do that to have a purpose in life. Amen. There's no person on the planet that gets saved that God said, well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't count on them getting saved. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't really planning on them getting saved, so I really ain't got anything for them to do. No, no, he's got... What, and what, 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 what there's, that's kind of a good news and bad news scenario. You say, what do you mean? Well, there's a lot of people that will fulfill that purpose, but then there's a lot of people that won't. 
A lot of people will not fulfill that purpose. A lot of people will not discover it. A lot of people will not care about it. A lot of people will just uh, chase the, uh, the lust of life and the uh, pride of their eyes and, and go after the dollar and go after all this other kind of stuff and truly miss what they were called to this planet to do and to perform. Amen? So here in verse, uh, well, let's start in verse, um, let me find it here. Did I say 26? Yeah, chapter 26, the book of Acts. Let's start in verse 2. Well, let's start in verse 1 since you'll understand what's, what's going on here. It said, then Agrippa, he's a king that Paul's standing in front of. It says, then Agrippa said to Paul, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things wherefore I am accused of the Jews. Now let me read here a minute and you'll understand this. It says, especially because I know thee to be an, extra, an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most strictest sect of our religion I lived a Pharisee. Now Paul is saying, I was a religious person. Amen. He said, I was a very religious person. Not only was I very religious, I was extremely religious. I was involved in the most strictest sect of Judaism. Amen? Then it says this. It says, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? For verily I thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them oft in every synagogue, and, compared the, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even into strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O King Agrippa, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Oh, thank God. Everybody say, light from heaven. Above the brightness of the sun shining round about, round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now let me just, just, just stop there for a minute. What he's saying about kicking against the pricks, kicking against the, the goat, like he would goad an animal or poke an animal to get him to move forward. Every person in the world especially, let, let's just take the Galveston area. There is so much gospel being preached. So many churches, so much television, radio. There's books. You can't go into Walmart and look on the bookstand without seeing some type of Christian book there. The, the, the Spirit of God 
is goading people, is, is pricking people, is pushing people. You know, go to church. Go to ch- get right with God. Serve God. Read your Bible. Pray. There's a, there's a, a move of the Holy Ghost. Every, everywhere the gospel is being preached, everywhere it's being uh, proclaimed, there is a move of the Spirit of God in which he deals with the heart of men and women. How many of you understand that? How many of that happened to you before you got saved? And how many of you understand that you were kicking against the pricks? You were kicking against every time you say, oh, "I ain't gonna go. I'm not gonna do that. I'm a. I don't want to serve God. I don't. I don't want to be a holy roller. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want." And for every excuse you had, it really did not matter because eventually that thing increased more and more and more to whether it was curiosity or panic or just so much junk got in your life you couldn't figure. You figured out, well, I'm, if I don't serve God, I'm gonna die. Amen. Whatever it was, you quit kicking against that and made a decision to go find out what it is all about. Well, that's exactly what was going on with Paul. I can imagine Saul of Tarsus making that journey from Jerusalem to Damascus because he went from Jerusalem to Damascus. When he made that journey, he had to travel through the region in which most of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ took place. Now, we know the church was praying and interceding for him because Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Pray for those that would persecute you. So if he was persecuting the church more than anybody else, they were praying for him more than anybody else. So as he journeyed through that particular region, there were places that they were, well, somebody said that he healed 10 blind men over there. I mean, 10 lepers over there. Somebody said he healed a blind man over here. Somebody said somebody was raised from the dead over here. Somebody over here in this valley, somebody said he fed 5,000 men with just a few. Do you believe that? I don't, well, I don't know if I did that. Well, that's, well, all of the information about Jesus Christ was unique to that region, and he had to have information on it. And as he was going, the Holy Ghost was doing what? Convicting him. That's the job of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the world. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin because every man is born a sinner. Every man, every woman is born into sin, into the human family, which is a fallen family. Of righteousness because righteousness is available through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of judgment because judgment will come upon anybody who does not bow their knee to Jesus here in this life. Are you with me? So God convicts people of that. That's what's going on with Saul. He said, how does he say it again? He says, uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now notice this. He didn't say I'm a Catholic. He didn't say I'm a Baptist. He didn't say I'm a charismatic. He didn't say I go to Island Church. Are you with me? Because you've got to understand, folks, when it's all said and done, it's not going to be the Baptists, it's not going to be the Methodists, it's not going to be the Pentecostals, it's not going to be the Charismatic, it's not going to be the Word of Faith, it's going to be Jesus that's going to be exalted, it's going to be Jesus that's going to be the name that's going to be above every name. This is not about a denomination, not about a church, it's about Jesus. Amen. This is Jesus. I am Jesus. And notice he's not hiding. Jesus does not hide. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Everybody say purpose. Now you've got to understand, until you understand that God has a purpose for you, 
Let me say it again. God has a purpose for you. I know we have a lot of people come through that it may seem like they have an exalted purpose. We have missionaries from Guatemala. We have missionaries that come from Africa. We have missionaries this weekend from Cuba and from all these different places. We have all these people that come. You think, oh man, what a wonderful life that must be of going to another nation or doing this or doing that or being a pastor of a church or being an evangelist and travel around. It does not matter. There's, not no, there's no great purpose. There's no small purpose. But until you understand that God does have a purpose for you, then you will never value yourself the way God values you. Let me say that again. Until you understand that God has a purpose for your life, then you will not value yourself the way God values you. There is no greater valuing of humanity than the value that God puts upon it. You may think, well, I mean, the, the Democrats really value their voters. The Republicans really value their voters. Uh, uh, these people really value these. Uh, no, no, no. God is the one that values humanity so much that he was willing to give his only begotten son so that every whosoever that would call upon the name of Jesus could leave the realm of death and enter into the realm of life. They could leave the dimension of darkness and live in the dimension of light. That is the will of God. And then we understand God has a purpose for your existence, a purpose for your life. We call it many times a calling. God calls the individual. Here we see God calling an individual. God calls families. God calls nations. God calls cities. God calls groups of people. They're called churches. God calls people to do what? To fulfill that which God desires to do in a region, in an area, in the world itself when it comes to the proclamation and demonstration of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen than that? I'm glad you're so thrilled tonight. Amen. Now notice what it says here. It says, I said unto them, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. But rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and the things which I will appear, that which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles whom, whom, unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now let, let, let me show you that again. Listen to what it says. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that may, they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That is our purpose right there. Let me say that again. That is our purpose right there. That is what gives you value. That is what gives you worth in the kingdom. Now, there are all different dimensions of us doing that. Some of us are called into the fivefold ministry. Some of us are called into a foreign nation. All of us are called to be involved in the propagation, proclamation, and demonstration of the gospel. We are called to live the gospel. We are called to preach the gospel. And let me just say this. Now, don't get, don't, don't, don't get in the ditch with it. But every person in the church tonight, you have a ministry in the kingdom. 
Let me say that again. You have a ministry in the kingdom. Now, it may not be an organized 501c3 ministry, but you do have a ministry, something that you are called to do, something that is unique to your life. You have something that God has put on the inside of you, whether you've nurtured it, whether you've developed it, whether you've gone after it, it makes no difference. It is still there. It is still there. And upon the path of pursuing that is where you will find God's blessing. That's not saying you won't find God's blessing outside it but you'll find it more difficult to receive it. But when you find, we've, we've coined the phrase, and we get it right out of the Word of God, when you find the path of righteousness for your life, when you begin to walk on that path of righteousness, you will begin to see that is where the provision of God has been supplied already for you. You just have to make what I like to call that glory journey down that road because the further you get down the road, the more provision is for you. Amen? I used to think years ago, Let's see, coming up on April, April the 21st of this year will be 30 years that I've been preaching the gospel. I used to think way back when I was one year, two years, uh, uh, June, July, August of 1985, the year I got out of Bible school, I used to think to myself, how in the world? You, know, you go out and you preach a, a, a revival for four nights. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, five services, and get a $100 offering. Amen? You go to a full gospel meeting, businessmen meeting, do it, get a $25, $50 offering, you know? And I would think to myself, how in the world, how in the world could anybody build a big church? How in the world can anybody go to the world with the gospel? How can anybody? Why, why, this doesn't even look like it pays a penny on the dollar for the effort that you put into it. Amen? And I, I used to think, man, it, uh, this is almost a... And then you have voices that would get around you. We, we had a guy sit at our table one time and just look right across the table. I mean, he looked right at me and said this, you'll never make it in the ministry. You'll never make it in the ministry. Ministry doesn't pay enough money. There's not enough people out there that care about the things of God. You know, and it made me so mad. I mean, I was so upset that I thought, I'll make it in the ministry for no other reason, reason than to prove you wrong. I mean, it set me to praying, believing God, walking in faith, reading books, reading the Bible, praying in the Holy Ghost, fasting. I thought to myself, how dare somebody come in me and say, look at me and say, you'll never make it in the ministry. Listen, I've got good news for you. No matter what God has called you to do, whether it's to be in fivefold ministry, whether it's to be in a nation and doing what God's calling you to do, or four nation doing what God's, no matter what it is, or just being a faithful member of a local church, God will equip you, empower you, and provide for you everything you need to live this glorious, glorious life so that your life and your words will preach the gospel so that everyone around you can see that you are different and that you have life and not death, light and not darkness, and that God is in your life and you're in his. Now notice what it says here. Let me read verse 18 again. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Verse 19. Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now, here's the thing. God wants you to be obedient to his will for your, for your life. Whatever they may be, and I know a lot of people, they kind of get in the ditch. Uh, 
looking for some grandiose things that you know you should do, but actually it's the practical things that cause you to begin to pursue exactly that which is the will of God for your life. It's not the, uh, you know, remember, who was it? Naaman the leper over in 2 Kings chapter 5. The, the, the sermon of the prophet came out and said, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Well, that was the will of God. That was the word of God. That was simple. That was practical. But the Bible says Naaman was wroth and went away and said, you know, how many rivers of Damascus are cleaner than the Jordan? But then the servant said to him, if he would have bid thee to do some great thing. Many times we're looking for the great call. We're looking for the great thing where it's the simple thing, the practical thing of just getting up every day and reading your Bible. Getting up every day, spending some time in prayer. Becoming a faithful member of a local New Testament church and the type of church they have in the book of Acts. Now let me say this. Not every place that puts a cross on their building is a church. Now I'd say this in any, any venue in the world, I'd say this. And I've said it in many. Not every place that puts a cross on top of the church and calls themselves a church is a church. A church is that which fits into the template of what we see in the book of Acts. A church is that which goes after the lost. You say, what do you mean? Those that do not know Jesus that need to get born again. The mandate of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we must go out and compel them to come. We do it here through all, we go to the jails, or we go to the streets, or we go over the internet, or we go to the nations, we go all the way, we do it from the pulpit here all the time. We are continually doing our best to open a door for people to come and make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. I think last year we had over 300, not only in the altars of Island Church, but also in the different, different outreaches and jail ministry and all that. We had over 300 that got saved. You say, where are they? That doesn't matter. Some are here, some are in other places. But we are going to do our best to make sure that every person that comes in contact with Island Church is going to be afforded the greatest opportunity of their life to make the decision to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Secondly, churches are supernatural. Many churches today do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They do not believe in divine healing. They do not believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And how in the world they ever got in that ditch, I do not know. But I want you to know in the book of Acts, we see churches that are anointed. We see the church at Antioch. We see the church at Jerusalem. We see the church at Corinth. We see the church at Ephesus. Ephesus. Say it again. Ephesus. We see the church at Philippi. We see supernatural churches. Where men and women believe in the power of God, the power to save, the power to heal, the power to transform, the power to deliver. They believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They believe Jesus and He alone is the head of the church. Let me say that again. They believe Jesus, not some guy with a tall hat. Not some guy that lives in Tulsa. Not some guy that lives in Dallas. They believe Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And they are about world evangelism. Reaching the world. They believe, respect, and obey the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? That's the template. The book of Acts. We made a decision around here when God called us to start Island Church. We didn't go to Dallas. We didn't go to Tulsa. We didn't get somebody's book. We went right to the Bible. 
We went right to the Word of God and said, this is what the Bible says. This is what we're going to do. This is what the Bible says. This is what, and you, you got to understand. You say, well, I've seen churches grow huge and do this and that. Listen, we don't judge what we're doing by what other people are doing. We just do what God called us to do. And in so doing, God has blessed, God has increased, God has promoted, and we're just getting started. I said, we're just getting started. Now, real quick, i got about three minutes. Go, go back. Let's go back and look at this. Go all the way back to Acts 9. Acts chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Now, this is the, this is actually the actual event that he was telling Agrippa about. Against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired him letters to Damascus to the synagogue that if any be found of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Everybody say bound. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined right about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now that's interesting. He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Now think about that a minute. You say, what do you mean? Jesus sees no difference in himself and the church. He's the head, we're the body. Now you may not like this. You may not like this at all. You may not like this a bit. But how you treat the church is how you treat Jesus. Amen. A lot of people care less, they care less about, yeah, you know, the church is some social organization. That's a, you know, they're always trying to get your money. Oh, doing, doing. There's always a million excuses not to serve God out there. But if you'll make a decision, I'm going to serve God anyway, and understand that God has put a church in your life for your benefit. Not to get your money from you, not to control you, not to do this to you, to do that to you, but to get the Word of God into you and help you find your calling and your purpose in the things of God, then you'll begin to value the church and understand that the church is Christ in the earth. We are Christ in the earth in the corporate structure of the church. Amen. Now notice this. Why persecutest thou me? He said, Who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, now notice this, what wilt thou have me to do? Now notice what he did not say. He did not say, who will you have me to be? That's most people's question. Who do you want me to be? You want me to be a pastor? Want me to be a prophet? Want me to be a millionaire? Want me to be this one? No, 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 no. Notice the first question. Now, this is the first question you ought to ask yourself. Upon salvation, upon the moment you make a decision to bow your knee to Jesus, when you say, Lord, what is the big question after I get saved? The big question is, Lord, what will you have me to do? Not the guy on the right, not the guy on the left, not the guy in Guatemala, not the guy in Cuba. Thank God for all of those. That's all well. But what about me, Lord? What about me? What will you have me to do? Now notice this. Notice this. I'll close. My time's up. What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city. Now notice this. 
and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, that's where a lot of people miss it right there. I don't want nobody telling me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. You know why I'm doing what I'm doing today? Because God, through people, have told me what to do. Let me say that again. God, through pastors, through prophets, through evangelists, through teachers. You say, well, pastor, I thought you talked about being led by the Holy Ghost all the time. Absolutely. He is the great teacher. But the first place God sent me to was to people who had words anointed by the Holy Ghost, and he sent me to a place that had an atmosphere in which a man could preach an anointed word or teach an anointed word so that my ears could be open and my eyes could be open and I could perceive what God was saying and what my ego was saying and the difference between the two. God had already prepared a guy. God had already spoken to a guy through a vision. I mean, even the guy in the vision was going, man, I don't know, man. That guy, I heard he's a meanie. I heard he does all kinds of things. You want me to go down there and minister to him? God had already prepared somebody to give Saul of Tarshish words, to instruct him, to help him. And he became the leading apostle of his hour and day. Listen, every one of us need instruction. I just went to a conference the other day. I didn't preach. I didn't get up. I, I know I used to go to conferences all the time. I never got to hear anybody preach. I was always preaching. But I go to conferences now where I don't preach. I just sit there and I listen and I absorb and I hear what this individual is teaching and I absorb it and I say, okay, Lord, help me to digest the Word of God that you're speaking through this man of God so that I might understand more that which you're telling me to do. I listen to tapes. Excuse me, tapes. I'm always dating myself. I listen to, what's my little thing called I got in my truck? I listen to an iPod. iPod iPod, amen, sound like some kind of fishing lure. I caught those trout on an iPod. <laughs> amen, that's what it sounds like to me. But I listen to it constantly over and over and over. Then I study the Word of God. Listen, every one of you, you're not just coming to church so you can figure out how prosperity works or try to get healed. No, no. There's a greater picture than just getting your need met. There's a divine destiny that God's trying to deposit on the inside of you to show you you're valuable. You're worth something to God. You're worth so much to God that He set up a plan thousands of years before you were ever born onto the planet. He set up something for you to do so that you could be what he calls you to do let me say that again so you can be what he calls you to do it's specific it's detailed it's one foot in front of the next what's the Bible say the steps of a righteous man that's one see some of you are looking for a for a whole 10-year plan, and I know all these people the, uh, the, uh, talk about you need a one-year plan and a two-year plan and a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. I'm just trying to plan the next step myself. One step after the next, after the next. You see, man, that was a God step. You know the next one. Ah, that was a God step. And he takes it, well, that's not a God step, so you step back to what you knew was a God step. Then God says, oh, you were supposed to turn. So, okay, there's a God step right there. Thank you, Lord. There's another God step right there. There's a God. No, that wasn't a God step. God said, no, I told you to turn in. Oh, that, that's a God step right there. See, God will 
calls you to walk in his provision, in his will, in his plan. So when you look back over three years, five years, 10 years, 30 years, you'll say, man, look what God has done. You get no glory. You don't stand up and say, oh, I'm so good and following God and I can hear from God. No, no, you know the mercy of God and the grace of God has brought you down that path of righteousness. God gets all the glory. You get the testimony of it. But in the meantime, people's lives are affected. Now, here's my last statement. If you follow God, you will affect people's life. If you don't, you will infect their life. You think about all the people in your life that do not follow God. How they infected your life. That's why you need to be around the right crowd. You don't need to be around people that will sell you drugs. You don't need to be around people that would give you alcohol, uh, take you to some, some horrid place where the devil is turned loose. You need to be around people that will pray with you and agree with you and stand in faith with you and help lift you up when you're down and lay hands on you when you're sick and speak the Word of God to you and prophesy over you and say you're going to make it and you're above, uh, not beneath. You're the head, not the tail. You're blessed and not cursed. That's why God gives us to one another. So that we can do what? Find our particular paths together and go together. And as we go together, then the blessing of God comes. People get changed. They get affected for the kingdom. We reap the harvest. We do the will of God. And if God tarries His coming, the next generation will come right up behind us. And we'll leave a legacy for them. And they'll be blessed. Amen? Hallelujah. You get some tonight. Lift your hands up and thank God, Father. We thank, thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.